Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Um, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Vine Life. Um, yeah, we're starting a series in Exodus today. It's very exciting. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be wonderful. And I've got the um, pleasure of uh, setting it up today. So we'll kind of do a little... Um, little bit of an overview, but um, to be honest, if you want kind of an in-depth, this is the this is the facts and figures, these are kind of all the literary things that are going on, like a um, really deep overview, I would recommend going and checking out the Bible Project. Um, they've got some great little videos in every single book on the whole Bible. They do these little kind of six-minute videos sort of overviewing everything, and um, they're really great, so I definitely recommend you check them out. But um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And for those of you um, who might be near a church or haven't met you before, um, yeah, my name's Ralph, like Katie said. I'm married to Laura. She's down here. I've got um, two little boys called Ben and Seth. And it's um, been a privilege to be part of this church family for um, nearly getting on for a couple of decades, somewhere in the teens, in the high teens. Uh, so I came as an 18-year-old as a student and, um, and didn't leave. And it's been wonderful. And we're so excited about all that God's done. And um, it's just a real privilege to get to get to share with you this morning. So really believing that God's going to do something good through it. Um, before we do, I'm going to pray as well. God, I just ask that you would be so present amongst us this morning and that you would lead this time. I pray for all of our hearts to be open to you. God, that we would hear what you would have us hear. We would see what you want to show us. And Lord, I pray that this morning, you would do something significant. God, you would do what only you can do. Father, we bring our offerings, we bring our words, we bring our songs. God, but we need you. And so I just give you permission this morning, God, just come and move amongst us. Come and hover over us. Come and create new life. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So Exodus. Um, for any of you literary people out there, uh, the, even the word Exodus is very exciting. Ex, which means out of, and hodos, which means the way. So literally, the, this story of Exodus is, is the story of the way out. And, um, and it concerns the people of Israel. So it's the second book in the Bible, and it is uh, very much continuing the story that began in Genesis. So um, obviously, in Genesis, we get the story of creation and how God made the world and how he made people to be with him in it. And then, uh, then we see how we mess it up. There's the fall, that actually um, we went our own way. We chose our own path, and we rejected the covenant that God had for us. And as a result, there was then this separation that came between, um, between us, between people and God. Um, and where once we dwelled with him in this perfect paradise called Eden, actually there was now this, this, this separation, this gap. But the wonderful thing, even at that moment, God said there will, there's going to be a way back. It's going to be way back to the garden. And then, and then we get in, in Genesis 12, we meet a guy called Abraham, who soon becomes Abraham. And, it, and it's to him that God says, I'm going to make you um, into a people. Let's read it out. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Uh, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So there's this guy, Abraham, who becomes Abraham, and God says, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make you guys into my chosen people, this family. And through you, actually, the whole earth, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There will be a way back into this, um, this Eden paradise that was lost. And, um, and the story continues through Genesis. We, um, uh, Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. And we're introduced to the, to the idea that um, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and Jacob's name actually gets changed to Israel, and that's where we um, understand kind of the, the the people of Israel. That's where they get their identity from. And um, Jacob has twelve sons who go on to become the tribes of Israel. And uh, one of those sons is a guy called Joseph. Um, anyone seen the musical Joseph and Technical and Dreamcoat? Um, classic. And uh, Joseph, he um, it's a whole other story in, in itself, but uh, he ends up uh, saving the people from famine. Um, through his connection in Egypt. So he gets um, sent to Egypt. He comes into Pharaoh's house. Uh, Pharaoh promotes him. And, and eventually, um, Egypt is this point of salvation um, in terms of providing food. And um, Abraham, um, Jacob and his family all come from Canaan, and they move to, uh, to Egypt. <coughs> and they dwell there. They put down roots there. And then um, they multiply. Um, the, a generation or so passes. And then we get to the point where actually everyone that um, was kind of there at the start isn't there anymore. And so, and actually Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt, um, the, the new Pharaoh doesn't know Joseph, doesn't know the story, doesn't know how God used this person, these people to bring um, salvation and deliverance to Egypt. And all he sees instead is um, a group of foreigners that have multiplied, that have actually um, grown in number and grown in influence. And so he, um, he basically, he wants to cut it out. So whereas, um, yeah, God would want to bless the world through this people, Israel, um, Phariseeism is a threat. And so actually, um, we have a promise that we saw God give to Abraham, that um, through, through this nation, through your people, I'm going to bless the whole earth. But the reality is that right now, at the start of the book of Exodus, they're enslaved and they're oppressed on foreign soil. So there's a promise, this amazing thing's going to happen, but the reality is it's actually pretty hard. And so we're, um, we're going to look through the book of Exodus over the next um, few weeks. And um, we're not going to be able to cover all of it. There's 40 chapters in there. There's a lot of story that goes on. But um, we're going um, to do a, a kind of tour through this um, idea of, uh, of looking at the story of what happened for the Israelites on their way out, on their way out of oppression, on their way out of, of being um, captive. And, um, but more than that, we're going to see the God who brings them out. We're going to see what God is like. We're going to look at his name. We're going to look at his character. We're going to, um, like, who is this Yahweh? Who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we read so much about? Who is he? What is he like? And um, just as we were, the kind of little group of us that was, we were planning this, we just kept coming back round and round and round to the central idea is about God, God's presence. What we see about God in this story is it's about his presence. That actually the God who delivers us, Yahweh, is the God who goes with us. It's the God who goes with us. And we believe that's true today. Actually, the same God that we read about in these pages is the same God that we can encounter today, that he is still the God who goes with us. So for today, we're, um, we're actually going to start in towards the end of Exodus. We're going to start in um, Exodus 33. And so... If you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn there, and that would be great. I'm just going up from the floor. 
Okay, we're going to start here because it feels like, actually, when we're thinking about God's presence, this is just such an um, like iconic story of where we understand about God's presence and what it's like. So um, we're hoping that actually some of the stuff that we might want to pick up today is going to really inform what we look at through the, the rest of the weeks. So I'm just going to read the first chunk from verse 1 to 6. Okay, um, actually, before we do, just tell you where we are, because we're like right towards the end of the story. <laughs> um, so, Exodus has happened. Uh, the Israelites are out in the wilderness. You're going to get all the detail of that in the coming weeks, don't worry. And, um, and um, God has established a covenant with his people. He's met Moses on Mount Sinai, and uh, he's actually he's, he's given the people the terms of the covenant. It's like this, and we get the Ten Commandments and all the other extra detail that goes with it. And like God's like, this is how uh, you and me are going to relate. This is how we're going to interact. And uh, there's a guy called Moses who, who's at the forefront of all of it. He's the guy that um, God has raised up and called to lead the people. And uh, it's, uh, he's been getting this instruction and he's been with God. He's literally been in God's presence on top of this mountain called Mount Sinai that's been shrouded in cloud. And, um, and then he's come down and he's um, found the Israelites. They've built a golden calf. They've built an idol. They've built, an, they've built a, um, an image of a God that isn't real. Basically, they've already um, messed up the covenant. They've already done what they said they're not going to do. And Moses is furious and he um, smashes the tablets. And then it's at this point um, that we get this interaction with God and Moses, and then, and so, yeah, picking up, chapter 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. So God's pretty mad. He's like, I've, gi- I've given you, like, I've brought you out of Egypt. This is how we're going to be together. And you've already messed it up. And, um, and uh, what's interesting, though, is he says, you can still carry on. So I'm I'm really annoyed. Like the whole like we're supposed to be together and now we can't. But you can still carry on. And uh he actually he says to the Israelites, you can still go into the promised land. Like I'll send an angel before you. But as for me, like I can't go with you. I can't go with you because you're stiff necked. He says, because you're because you're impure, you're unholy. And he's like, I like is that if I was to be with you, I would just I would consume you. And um and for the people of Israel, like this is this asterisk. Like actually, this people has been set apart 
has been um, had this promise spoken over them that actually this is going to be the people that God um, that God is with and that God is going to use to bless the world. But actually, God is now saying, you know what? I can't go with you anymore. Like this is for a nation whose identity is built on being with God. This is this is disastrous. It's seismic, and um, and that's that's when Moses comes in, and we're going to read his response in a minute. But. I think one of the things we really wanted to um, to look at this um, throughout this series, but in particular today, was this whole idea of the presence of God. Like, um, what does that mean? Like we we talk about it's a phrase that we use a lot, particularly um, in churches like ours that would really um, have really experienced and would really value that sense of um, like encounter with God. Like we we talk about the presence of God a lot, and um, and what is it? What, what is it? What do we mean when we say that? And I think um, above all, like, it's really simple. But like, when we were talking about God's presence, we're talking about where God is. Like, my presence is here. This is where Ralph is right now. Your presence is there. So like, when you're talking about, I mean, we probably wouldn't say, welcome to the presence of Ralph. It's great to see you. Um, at least I don't think, if I ever do, just, you know, give me a little slap. Um, but there's that sense, like, it's really obvious, like, God, the presence of God is where God is, right? And, um, and where is God? He's everywhere. Yeah? So at Psalm 139, we'll read that out together. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. There is, we believe in this idea of omnipresence. Like God is everywhere. There's nowhere that God isn't. From the highest heights to the deepest depths, God is there. So then isn't the presence of God just a euphemism for anywhere? Like, presence of God is everywhere. So when we say that, do we mean just anywhere and everywhere? I, I don't think we do. I think there's a reason we talk about the presence of God. And there's this idea that there's a distinction of, um, yes, God is absolutely everywhere all the time, forever. But there's a distinction in that there are um, it, there is also a place where he is real and he is tangible. Where we can where we can experience him, where we can know him, where we can encounter him. Um, so whilst he is everywhere, not everyone all the time is encountering him. And so almost by like definition, we can be with him and we can be without him, which is kind of h- hard to get your head around. Like how can I be without? How can I be anywhere that God isn't? And it is it is a tension. But um, I think the the key thing in the midst of it all is that um, when we talk about the presence of God, I think the most important thing to remember is we're talking about a person. We're talking about being with God, with God who is a person. We are together with a person. And it's really easy, like, even like really subtly, for um, when we talk about the presence of God, for it to become impersonal, to become almost like we would talk about things like atmosphere, or climate, or, you know, like this idea that God's sort of like a force. 
Uh, I don't know if anyone was raised on Super Kid Academy in the early 90s. Probably not. It was very niche. But uh, we watched a lot of it. And um, there was Commander Kelly Copeland. She looked after the Super Kids. And uh, they would fight off the enemy, which was actually named NME. It's very clever. Yep. Uh, and uh, there is this scene that really, really, really stuck out in my imagination when I was a kid, where uh, this intruder, I can't remember why he was bad, but he was bad, and he like, wore black clothes, and he sort of slunk around a lot. And uh, he, uh, he, comes through the, he comes into the Super Kid Academy base, and, uh, and uh, Kelly Copeland, I think that was her name, uh, she gets this like ray gun and fires at him, and it's like like this is th it's the presence of God in the form of a gun that she sort of fires at him, and she manages to block him, and then uh, and then they all have a nice time, and Carmen appears and sings a song, and it's wonderful. But um, it it just really stuck in my imagination this like idea, it's almost like this like force field of God that kind of you could zap at people. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to have a go at that one day. That seems pretty fun, and um, and the thing is. I don't think that's not true, if you hear what I'm saying. Um, but I, I think I, I haven't seen a ray gun that's um, the Holy Spirit, so um, don't hear what um, you know. Don't think that I'm saying that. Um, but what I mean is, it's really easy for us to think about God as impersonal, like this force. Maybe other, like, you know, people will talk about karma or Zen or other things, and we call that God. And, it's, and it kind of works because it's everywhere and it's in everything. And, but the thing that makes God God is that he is a person. He's not an abstraction. He's not just sort of mysticism in the air. Like, he is mystical. He is spiritual. He's non-physical. Like, he is spirit. And so we, we do encounter, even in the book of Exodus, we see God as a, as a pillar of fire and as cloud. Like, there's so much beyond our comprehension of how God can be and exist that, um, like, we need to not uh, put him in a box. But the most fundamental thing to remember is that he's a person. And so, come back to that tension. Like, if God is everywhere, but also we can be with him and without him, I think part of how we hold that together is that is by understanding that he's a person and then um, there's all sorts of different things that can help us with that as well but I think one of the, the first things that jumps to my mind is this whole idea of of awareness like actually God is everywhere all the time but we're not necessarily always aware of him there's the, um, almost like the, there's like the if there's a blockage it's at our end so there's that famous painting of Jesus um, uh, with the quote from Revelations, like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, and he's outside with the, with the candle, and there's no handle on the door on the outside because the door has to be open from the inside. Like, actually, the, the, what God has done in bestowing on us the dignity of, of choice and, and free will is that we get to choose whether we let God into our lives or not. He's not going to um, force his way in. And, um, and similarly, there's... Uh, a verse in Habakkuk 2.14 where it talks about how um, the, the whole earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Like there is, there is God, there is his glory, but there's something about the knowledge of it, the awareness of it, the attention towards it. And so I, I think it, like actually one of the, like the whole point of attention is you don't resolve it. 
So it's not like we can, we can neatly tie this up. But part of, I think, how I understand it is that, yes, God is everywhere, but there is a, there is a varying factor that is my awareness of him. And maybe even sort of a better word might be knowledge of God. Like actually, um, you know, we can know about God. We can be aware of the stories of God. We can go to church a lot. But do we actually know him? Are we with him, that person? Uh, there's a story in Matthew 7. We'll just read it out quickly. Jesus says this. <clears throat> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. <clears throat> Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell, you that, tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So that even, even in ministry, even in like doing all this great stuff for God, there's this dynamic where we don't actually know him. And, so, and I think the thing for us to grab there is don't just assume that you know God because you're around him a lot or around the paraphernalia of God a lot. Um, like actually, do we, kn do we know this person? Do we have a relationship with him? Right, going back to Exodus. <clears throat> so God said, I'm not going with you. You can carry on, but I'm not going. And then jump down to verse 12. Moses says this. <clears throat> Moses says to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please now show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your, your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth, this earth? It feels like that's in a bit of a weird order, that um, passage. But apparently that might be to do with how the Exodus book was edited, should you be interested to go and research that. But the point is, Moses gets it. It's like right from the Garden of Eden, through God appearing to Abraham, wrestling with Jacob, meeting Moses in the bush and delivering the people out. Throughout all of that, it's always the whole point is presence. The whole point is being with God. And that will continue to be the story throughout the rest of the Bible. And it, so even when Moses was offered the, the impersonal option of yet, yet this promise that I've spoken, you can still see it fulfilled. In fact, there'll still be a light show. I'll send an angel. They'll, they'll drive out all the people in front of you. It'd be amazing. You can still have all that. Moses is like, no. If you don't go with us, what's the point? It's like, how else are people going to know who we are? How else are we going to be the people of God if we don't have God? Like, it sounds brutally obvious, isn't it? Like, the only thing that sets them apart, <coughs> the only thing that's going to make this whole promise of Genesis 12 possible is that God is with them. 
And so it's amazing that Moses stands in the gap. It, um, that passage is entitled intercession. That's what that word means. Like he stands in the gap and says, God, no, like we need you. If you, if you like us at all, if I found any favor in your sight, stay with us. If we're going to be your people, you need to stay with us. And I wonder if we have that same kind of almost like desperation that Moses had. Like actually, God, if you're not with us, this is pointless. If you're not here, if you're not doing anything, we don't know you, this is pointless. Like, do we genuinely think that actually, even if we had everything, but had it without God, we'd have nothing? You know, th- there's, we think about kind of the, the trappings and delights of the world, and there's so many wonderful things to experience. But actually, um, story after story after story is that I had it all, but I was empty inside. There's that Jim Carrey quote, I didn't put it on the screen, but you know where he's like, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they want and realize it's not the answer. Yeah, we know that. We, we, we see that in the story of people around us. We know that in our own, own lives, that actually even really good stuff that is there for us to enjoy, like it, it doesn't really fully satisfy. Like um, Ecclesiastes says that there's eternity has been set in the hearts of people. Actually, there's this like this shaped hole that only he can fill. And so that we could have everything the world would want to offer. We could have all the dreams and desires of our heart. We could have all the promises that God's spoken over us. We could have all the things that we talk about in church that we want to see. We could have the best ministry. We could um, prophesy. We could cast out demons. We could see um, campaigns happen. All this amazing stuff. But actually, if God isn't with us, it's empty. God's presence is the only thing that truly satisfies us. It's the only thing that sets us apart. And we're probably going to have less acute sort of opportunities than what Moses had. Um, maybe we will, but like it is, God isn't going to stand before us and say, I'm not going with you and have that same opportunity that Moses had to sort of plead with him. But I think we actually get that opportunity every single day in everything that we're doing. Do we, can we actually approach him and be like, God, if you're not here, I don't want to go. Like discipline, diligence, all that kind of stuff is great, but it's, it's, it's not the point. The point is that God's with us. Another in- interesting thing about that passage is that um, when, when Moses is pleading to God, he appeals to his nature. He's like, God, God, this is what you're like. Stick to who you are. Stick to your word. Stick to what you've said. And, um, and actually, in this case, he's like, you, you said that you're going to be with us. You're going to be our people. So don't leave us, because otherwise, what's the point? Nothing will set us apart. And again, it's, it's kind of saying the same thing in a different way, but I just... It's like, actually, God is the reward. It's not we're going somewhere, we're going to the promised land, and it'd be great if God comes with us too, because we feel satisfied. Like, he is the great reward. Even if we never got to the promised land, he is the great reward. Like, actually, the blessing that God had for his people through Israel was that they would be in covenant relationship with him. 
that actually for eternity, man could be with God again forever. That relationship, that connection, God himself is the great reward. And so it gives us uh, the sort of the other side of the coin in terms of, okay, if, if we have everything but we don't have God, we've kind of got nothing. It's, it feels hard. But actually the amazing thing is we could have nothing but with God, we've got everything. We could have nothing, but with God, we've got everything. Paul himself, um, Paul himself, haven't mentioned him yet. Paul in Philippians. Uh, he, uh, this is an amazing book. So he's in prison, and uh, he says some incredible things. Like, I've, you know, I've learned contentment in all circumstances. Like even, even when life's tough, I, I know what it is to be thankful and content. And he says, actually, as far as I'm concerned, for me, like, dying is gain because I get to be with Jesus. He's like, he's, he sort of looks at his life, all his accomplishments, who he is, and all the status that he has. He's like, actually, all of that is excrement compared to knowing Jesus. And that he's not saying that when he's sort of having a great time in life. Like, he's, he's in chains. He's like, actually, all of this is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing who Jesus is. Jesus in John 10, 10 says that uh, he's come to give us abundant life, life in all its fullness. And that was never a promise that um, we're, we're going to be in a perpetual state of favorable circumstances. But actually in the midst of anything and everything, there is fullness and there is abundance because of Jesus. That we can know righteousness, peace, joy, hope, the things of the kingdom. Those things that um, actually will endure for eternity. We can know all of those regardless of our circumstances. Even with nothing, if we have God, we have everything. Verse 17, Exodus 33. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will pr proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. So God's, God's agrees to Moses. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll go with you. I'm going to go. And then Moses says, can I ask for a bit more? He's like, um, great. Can I see your glory? Can I, can I, like, this is Moses who's been up Mount Sinai with God for a while. He's like, can I see the fullness of who you are? I, re I recognize that even me and my experience, there's more. I want to see more of you or encounter more of you. And God's, um, God says, yes. But there's some interesting things to reflect on. He's like, yeah, like I'm going to let my goodness pass in front of you. You 
can encounter my mercy. You can encounter my grace. But actually, my glory, we need to, we need to have a little chat about what that means. And, it's, and I love it because it's still true today. Like, actually, all of us, whether we're aware of it or not, experience God's goodness. Like, if Colossians says, in all, all things are held together in Christ. Like, even, you know, we sing that song, it's, it's your breath in my lungs. Like, God doesn't just put breath in Christians' lungs. Like, that's, it's true for everyone. We all experience God's goodness. We all experience his mercy and his kindness and his grace, probably most of the time with completely oblivious. When we get what we don't deserve, he gives it freely. And when he withholds what we do deserve, he stays his hand mercifully. <clears throat> we all get to experience that. But what about this glory? And I think going back to what we said in terms of um, how we hold that tension of presence. God's everywhere, but also that we're sometimes with him and we're sometimes not with him. Um, one of the things I said that was helpful was um, awareness, like how aware are we? The other thing I think is helpful to help allow us to understand it is um, like where are we positioned in relation to God? Um, and so already in this passage, we've seen how God's like, uh, if I'm with the people of Israel, I'm going to consume them because they're stiff-necked. And similarly here with Moses, he's like, um, you cannot see my face because man cannot see me and live. There's, there's, God is, is of such holy, pure, amazing substance that actually man and in its, in its sinfulness, humanity in its sinfulness cannot coexist with God. There is a additional challenge, whereas like actually I cannot come in front of you because you're too holy, you're too pure, you're too good. But what's amazing is that God makes provision for that. He's like, we can sort this out. And the solution for Moses was you need to hide in the rock. The solution for Moses was in the rock. You stand on this rock, you go into the cleft and I can pass by and we can, we can make this happen and I'm not going to burn you up and you can experience me. And do you know what the most amazing thing is? That's the solution for us today. Jesus Christ is the rock. And we're in the same position as Moses. Like we've fallen short, we've messed up, we're prideful, we're arrogant, we sin. We, we are unable to stand in the next to the most holy of holies, pure being that is God. But through Jesus, our position changes. Because of Jesus, we can encounter God. We can be with him in a way that even surpasses the way that Moses was. Just think about Jesus' life. You know, thinking about these moments where God's presence is real and tangible. That was what happened in the incarnation. God became man. He moved into the neighborhood. He became real and tangible. He was given the name Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us, literally, physically with us. In his life and his ministry, Jesus, um, he, he showed the signs of the kingdom and said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. You've seen what God's like. When Jesus died, he removed the impurity 
that would separate us from God. He removed the impurity that would cause us to be those stiff-necked people who would be consumed by God's presence. And we see that amazing picture of how it says in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, in the place where God dwelt in the most concentrated way, the, the curtain that was in front of that, the thing that separated it was torn from God's end to the bottom, from top to bottom. Actually, the things that would separate us from God, the things that would cause us to never be in a position to be with God were removed. And Jesus was resurrected. He came back to life. He showed that not even the most final thing that we can imagine, that is death, could actually separate us from God's presence. We've gone from being people that couldn't be near God because we've been consumed by him to actually now there's nothing for eternity that's ever going to separate us from him. And when he ascended back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to actually he himself, God himself, could be with us personally even today. We can all, every single one of us, know God today because of Jesus. We can stand in front of God and say, show me your glory because we're hidden in the rock. And actually, that is an opportunity that is available to us every day. And today, if you have never started a relationship with God, we're talking about this idea of being present with him. That seems completely alien. That is available to you today because of Jesus. If we acknowledge who he is, if we choose to repent and turn from our ways, he is gracious and merciful to forgive us and he wants to be with us. And just like, um, I have no idea what time it is, by the way. Uh, can anyone tell me? Okay, great. Um, and then just like how... Um, Moses is like, if you don't go with me, how are people going to know who we are? It's the same for us. In Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, like, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Therefore, go, baptize people. Like, uh, just before Pentecost, said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That's the, the whole point is still the same, that God's with us so that people can see what God is like. Actually, and I want it to be that if people encounter me, they encounter God because I'm with God. If people come to this church, they encounter God because he's here. Because we acknowledge presence. So um, let's pray. Why don't you stand up? Um. So like I said, I think we have an opportunity to respond to this every day, every single day. And so whilst there's a moment for us to respond now, I think it, what happens tomorrow and the day after and the day after is, is key. But I think there's, the, there's two areas that we can respond into or might help us think, oh, what, what does the next step look like for me? And um, the first of those is position. Where are we positioned? Are we with God? Maybe we've never said yes to him. Maybe we've done it a thousand times, but we need to say it again. Like, do I need to come back into the presence of God? And the great news is that is available. No matter what you have done, no matter what has been done to you, there is nothing now that can stand between you and God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So actually, if you feel like I'm not positioned with God, 
do something about that today. We're going to have space to come out and um, just be in his presence together. Like, come and do that. The second area is that whole area of awareness. Like, yeah, I know that I'm, I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm God's child. I know that I'm with him. But actually, day to day, he might be there, he might not. And in fact, much of my life works regardless of the answer to that question. And maybe today's the opportunity is like, God, I want you to become personal to me again. I don't want to be satisfied with the impersonal, the promise, the good works. I want to know you. I want to put you back at the top of my list. And I want to genuinely say, not just because it's the right answer in Sunday school, but actually if God was to offer me everything, everything my heart's desired, but he wasn't going to be there, I'd say absolutely no chance. And I think we all need to, we all have those times where we just like, just need to reset. It's like, God, I'm here for you. You're the reason. None of this makes sense without you. So I'm going to pray in a second. And um, if that, if you would like to respond in any way, whether to do with those things or anything, just come up to the front. Um, there'll be a prayer team that is available. Um, if you want to just be, if you want to just be in God's presence, just come and do that. Um, but I want to, before I pray, I want to close by reading this one more scripture. And it's, um, it's the promised land that we're all going to. Like God says to Moses, I'll give you rest. And that's, that's the same promise for us today that ultimately we will all come into heaven's rest where we'll spend eternity with God in communion with him. And so um, if you want to close your eyes, I just want to um, start to pray by reading this from Revelation. Uh, this is where we're going. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain the old order of things has passed away. God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Father, thank you that there's nowhere we can go without you. There's nowhere that you're not. We thank you that you're calling us into eternal communion with you. Lord, I just want to pray that for me, for anyone else that's hungry for it, God, that we would genuinely say in the depths of our heart, God, if you don't go with us, we're not leaving. Actually, God, if you're not with me, I'm not moving on from here.
Father, we can comprehend what that means on a Sunday, but show us what that means on Monday morning on the school run or on the commute when we're doing the dishes when we're fixing the pieces of an argument. Show us what it means, God, that if you're not here, we're not moving. In my hopes, in my dreams, in my fears, in my insecurities, God, show me what it means that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. And Father, I pray just for a greater hunger for you, that like Moses, we'd say, yes, show me your glory. Show me more of what you're like. Be famous in my life. And God, I just pray that we would see increased occurrences of your real and your tangible presence. That more than just an idea or a philosophy or an abstraction, God, that we would experience you in all of your goodness. Even this morning, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.